UX of EdTech helps people design better ways to support learning. I'm your podcast host, Alicia Kwan, and I look forward to learning with you today. Design maturity at EdTech companies. Who's the best? What companies are leading the way in this regard? And the so-called design maturity leaders in other industries, how are they influencing EdTech companies? Let's back up from those questions and ask, what is design maturity? How do you measure it? How do leaders build this in their teams and embed this throughout their company's culture? What challenges do they face? and what might be unique and particularly challenging to the edtech space. These are my curiosities, and I'm asking a number of leaders from various edtech companies these questions. We'll find that the titles for design leaders at the highest levels of a company vary a lot, and we'll discuss that. I'm a person who loves hearing from multiple perspectives, and that is what I hope to offer through this podcast. My guess was that leaders and companies varied widely on this, but also faced some similar challenges and we can learn from one another. So that's what's next, a series on design maturity. My first guest is Adil Danani, a director of product design at Handshake. He was formerly at Slack, Uber, and Apple. I'm gonna jump us right into the conversation and I'll let him explain his company and the role he has there. I hope you enjoy and check the show notes for ways to follow us further. Handshake is a platform for connecting educational institutions, employers, and students. So we basically help students find their dream job and employers invest in early talent. And my role right now um, is a director of product design, and uh, I joined three months ago. And my team is primarily responsible for some key parts of the student uh, iOS and Android mobile apps. Awesome. And um, can you tell me a little bit more about design representation at Handshake um, and and where your role kind of plays in that? I'm really excited about our conversation today because I noticed that Handshake has a chief design officer, and that's not something that I see very often in ed tech and education companies. So would love to just hear your thoughts on what design representation looks like at the highest levels of the company, and then what kind of influence do you think that that has on Handshake? Yeah, the, uh, this is a, a really interesting uh, topic for me because it was actually one of the main reasons that I joined Handshake was because they do have a chief design officer. And as you mentioned, it, not only outside of like not outside of just ed tech, um, a lot of startups don't have chief design officer. You kind of see like smaller startups having founding designers, um, but then like you know early stage, mid stage, late stage startups, you usually don't see that. And so it's Handshake is definitely unique in that sense. Um, you know, if you think about a company, most people know about the CEO, you know, the person who runs the business, runs the company. And then you have like a COO, a chief operating officer, and then you have a chief marketing officer and a chief finance officer. And so most companies are built upon these uh, these functions at the highest level. And what that really tells you is how much value that function has and the success of the company. And so at Handshake, there's a chief design officer. So to me, that clearly tells you that design is very important, all functions of design. And I'll kind of get into that. 
Um, but if you look at different types of representation, there's there, you have the design, the chief design officer, then you could have an executive vice president, so an EVP of design, uh, which currently Slack has that, which is where I was before Handshake. Then you have a VP of design, senior director, and director. Um, and you know some other companies, uh, in terms of the influence that this has, you typically see like a VP of design, and they report into product. And product is all about building products, so it makes sense. Um, but the focus in that sense is still to help the company opera, uh, is to help focus the company on moving business metrics with design as an input. Um, and when you, when I think of companies, um, you know, there's, you have hierarchy, you have the different hi- hierarchy at the company and what it helps the company do it, it helps the company operate at different zoom levels. Um, you know, you kind of at the highest level, consider them the C-suite, uh, you, they set the company vision. Then you kind of go down into maybe different lines of business and you set the vision there based on the company vision. And then you have product area vision. And so with the CDO at Handshake, our, our company not only values, but is a- able to leverage design. And I, when I say design, I'm talking about uh, product design, uh, content design, research, all the different functions, brand design, actually. I talk a little bit about that too. Um, and so what the what this tells you about Handshake and, and companies that have CDOs is that they're, they're leveraging design uh, to impact the business narrative and the direction. Yeah. And when it comes to um, how the responsibilities are distributed at Handshake or represented even at you know non-executive levels, could you unpack that a little bit just so yeah, we can kind of get a picture of how Handshake is, is structured? Yeah. Um, so if you if you don't have, you know, a VP of design or a CDO, usually you have them, especially uh reflecting on my experience at other companies is the the highest, you know, the most senior design leader reports into product, which I mentioned is about like, you know, building features and products for specific users. Um, and so I think of a product um, as, you know, in, in various companies as kind of like the captain of the ship. You know, they, they need everyone on the ship to successfully navigate everyone to the place that they're going, but they're taking all these different inputs. Um, and so those responsibilities um, kind of you know sit at the different level. And so if you have a chief design officer, there is this responsibility of using um, de- leveraging design. So that could be like key insights, or you know looking more into generative design thinking or generative research, thinking of what are the, some of the future patterns and. Uh, things that we need to look at in order to build a company vision around. Okay. And when it comes to design maturity, you know, that's why we're chatting today. I'm curious about how you would define that and and even how you measure that, um, how you've measured that on different teams you've been on or your current team. Yeah. So in, in my mind, uh, the way I describe design maturity is the influence of design practices at various levels of the company with a key focus on impacting the business. So I kind of unpacked that a little bit. You know, I, I mentioned a little bit about design practices. And so, I, again, this is all encompassing. So this is all the different types of design. So you have product design, you have research, content design, brand design, also design operations. Uh, and how that plays into it. Um, and at the various levels, whether that's at the C-suite or 
at the VP level or at the senior director or director level. Um, and that's how I would design design, uh, how I would define design maturity. Um, I, over the course of my career, um, I've been at companies where I was the only designer uh, and I was reporting up into product, uh, you know, the VP of product uh, at smaller companies. Um, I've also been at uh, larger companies uh, when I was at Apple. Uh, I mean, you clearly have a, a chief design officer there. Um, and so it, it shows you the, the different value that design creates uh, for the business. Um, and in terms of measuring it, um, this is really, really interesting because I, I think there's, when, when we talk about measuring, right away we talk about like numbers and like what's the quantitative measurement of things. Um, and that's totally fair. And I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but I, I kind of think about it in, in three different ways in terms of how you can measure it. So one, um, who is the most senior design leader at the company? So where, where do, in the hierarchy of the business, uh, where do they sit? Uh, and then what is their scope and what do they oversee? Um, so it's possible that they oversee an entire, let's, let's say a company has two different lines of business and they sit on one side. And so maybe the other side has, you know, a little bit of input, but not really like that kind of visibility. So now that side of the business, you know, you, you could say that doesn't necessarily need design um, because it's uh, maybe it's a marketplace. It's, you know, two sides or three sides of the market and one doesn't need as much design. And so you don't need a senior design leader on that side. Um, I definitely disagree with that. Um, but that that's one thing to, to consider is where is that most senior design leader sitting at the company? Um, you know, at Handshake, we have a chief design officer. Um, when I was at Slack, we had uh, an executive vice president of uh, design that would be reporting, that reported into the CPO, the chief product officer. Um, and um, the other way to measure it is the size of the team. So this kind of goes into definitely uh, an interesting territory when we talk about like, you know, numbers. I'm not going to throw out any numbers right now. Uh, I'll kind of just think of, uh, l let the audience think of it as uh, different ways um, to think about the entire company and, and kind of how they function. So when we talk about measuring it in terms of the size of the design team, um, one question that I think about is, is the design team embedded in the different product areas or the different user facing features? Or is it, or is it more of an agency model? Like, do you not have enough design resources that you need to, you know, let's say the company, you know, this quarter, this half is working on 50 projects and you can only actually put designers on 30 of them. So now you're sitting with 20 projects that don't have design work that someone is going to do the, do the design for. Um, so that's like when we roll that back up into design maturity, I, I think about that as well as like how much of the product is not um, having any sort of design input uh, that is still user-facing. Um, so in terms of the size of the team, going back to that, so embedded versus an agency model, um, thinking about the different uh, functions that you have within design. So if we talk about product designers, uh, researchers, content designers, brand designers, design operations, design systems. Now, there there's some functions there that when you start off a design team, when you're talking about design maturity, you might start with like a product designer. 
And depending on the design leader and also the type of work that the business needs, you might just start growing the product design function. Then you start realizing that like, oh, we, we really need to do some research, like not usability research, but like generative research. We really need to get ahead and help with roadmap planning and what future features we're going to build. So then you start building out the research team and then you have product designers writing content or maybe even marketing folks writing content. So then you're like, okay, no, we need content designers. And so you start like realizing how important it is to have these various functions. And then you get into design systems, uh, you know, product designers who are focused on that. You get into prototypers, design engineers. Uh, when I was at Uber, we had uh, we had a role open for a design engineer and we hired a design engineer and it was amazing to see like some of the future like forward looking design explorations that were being done in code uh, from a person from a, you know a, a someone who has a design background um, and so it was great to see that and like that's another level of design maturity um, and then the last thing that I uh, in terms of size of the design team is the ratios I think about how many designers or a designer is supporting how many product managers and how many engineers are on that team. So that ratio could be, you know, I would say ideally one designer per PM. So you have one designer, one PM, and then you have, you know, uh, maybe six to 10 engineers. And so that's like one squad or one team that's working in, on a product area. Um, you know, there's other teams that I've been on where you have a designer that's supporting four PMs, uh, you know, and like 40, 50 engineers. And now you have this like prioritization exercise of figuring out what they're going to work on. Um, and then the last thing that uh, I know I've been talking about design maturity for some time, but the last thing that I would mention is um, at a company level, I think a company is super, is very highly mature in design when you have non-design functions talking uh, talking about features and building for their users for certain personas let's say or certain archetypes they talk about unmet user needs you know you have an engineer saying like does is a user really feeling this pain point like do we really need to fix this is this the right area to focus on and then the, and then the people who are implementing the the designs or the go to market strategy are they obsessing over the experience the team is shipping and overall, this goes into product quality, but I, I think of it as, uh, as, as a part of design maturity. When you've worked at places like you mentioned Slack, Uber, Apple, um, um, a variety of different places, I'm wondering, how do you see that affecting your decision to to move to Handshake? And how do you see that even affecting your work today? I know you're, you're newer to the company, uh, but yeah, I'm mm -hmm. just curious about that that connection um, I think it's it seems like a reflection too of um, the the company valuing someone who's bringing that that type of perspective um, to them yeah um, you know previously uh, before handshake I was at um, slack and then uh, before that at uber and both of those um, had very strong design leadership presence. Um, and so I, I had experienced that and it was great, um, especially, you know, going back to when I was at Apple, I mean, you have a very like design led, uh, company. Um, and so for me, um, you know, ha having a chief design officer, what that tells me one is that at, not only does it, is it valued at the company, but there is less 
there's less selling of design and the value that it brings, which at some other companies that I've been at, you know, you, you, you talk about design and what, what it brings. And like, there's, there's an element of, of selling the value of it, selling the value of doing research, selling the value of having a dedicated content strategist, a content designer. Um, and so that's one thing that I would say in my career now, I, I didn't want to do too. I didn't want to do so much of that, and I really wanted to focus on the the work, and and ha- going to a place where there is a chief design officer. I know that's like one uh, one thing that I've done in the past that I have less to worry about uh, in, in my mind. Um, and so it was a big draw for me, uh, both professionally uh, in terms of my career growth, uh, but also personally. Uh, you know, seeing. Uh, what a CDO does uh, at a late stage startup like Handshake um, and and the influence that uh, can be created from a company with a CDO. Because yes, I, I was at Apple and they have a CDO too, but I was so far removed uh, from, from him that, um, that I wasn't able to actually uh, learn and, and grow by uh, observation. Uh, whereas here I report straight to the CDO and uh, it, it's great to be able to um, grow my career uh, by learning from him. That's great. Uh, that's really great. Um, let's let's jump into the journey of of Handshake. Where would you say the company is at now? And you've kind of touched on this already in terms of design maturity. Um, and I'm curious about how the company got there. Um, and then maybe if there's been any obstacles along the way, um, and even you know things that you've heard about, you know, before you arrived. Um, yeah, I'm just curious about kind of the beginning and obstacles along the way to to where things are at now, and 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 even maybe for our listeners, even sharing how old is is the company? So Handshake was founded back in 2013, um, actually out of Michigan Tech University. That's where the three co-founders um, are from, and um, it and right. In, so I actually joined just three months ago. Um, so I don't have the full history um, that I would love to share with you, but our uh, CDO has been there for one and a half years. And what I know about Handshake in terms of the last couple of years is that they have experienced rapid growth. Um, they have grown the company substantially on the engineering side, on the product side, uh, and as a result on the design side as well. And uh, in terms of the current makeup of our team, which I think it would be useful, um, especially based on the conversation we've had so far about design maturity and the different functions, is within the design org, uh, the design organization, we have a product design function. So we have uh, multiple product design teams that oversee different parts of the experience. We have a research team. We have a brand design team. And then we have a design ops team. Uh, design operations. So those are the four um, main functions that we have. And then also most recently um, under the product design function, we have uh, design systems as well. And so we have a design systems lead and then uh, another design systems uh, designer as well. And so that starts getting into uh, more design, like an increase in design maturity, as I would describe it. And so that's like the history that I uh, that I have of of how the team came to be and kind of where they are right now. I can talk a little bit about my time at Uber since I was there for five years, on kind of how design maturity changed. Um, when I joined, I joined Uber back in 2015, um, and initially there was 
um, just the rides business and the, it, yeah, it was just the rides business. And so when we think about that, because it's a marketplace, um, which I feel like a lot of ed tech is a marketplace environment, uh, which is, uh, you know, you're designing for one user and you're also designing for someone who is on the flip side of it. So you have like a teacher and a student. Uh, for us, it's the education partner, it's the employer and the student. And so you have, you know, a marketplace dynamics, which is a super interesting to me. Um, and and w- another reason why I joined Handshake is to get back into that environment where there are these marketplace dynamics. But um, anyway, so uh, going back to Uber, um, on the rides business, you have the riders, so you and I, and then you also have the drivers, uh, people who are driving on the platform. And so um, initially when I joined, they were, they were separate. Uh, the teams are separate. And so you would have like a director of um, rider design or a director of driver design. And then uh, Uber Eats came along and that was another line of business. And then you had like a you know director or head of Eats design. And so you started create like at the company, as the company grew, each function or product, actually each product started having their own directors of head of. And what happened over time, over like a few, maybe two years, three years, um, uh, after I had joined, there, like design had proved value in positively influencing the business metrics. And so they hired a VP of design to oversee everything. They realized that there is this common thread of like, there's Uber, and Uber has this big mission of uh, moving people in places from point A to point B. And so having that type of influence on like how all those things come together is going to be super important because these products started um, impacting each other. Like, for example, being able to pick up your food on a on a Uber ride like that. So you can start seeing like the products coming together and kind of influencing each other. Uh, And this became super uh, important as Uber became a super app. So if you open up the Uber app right now, you'll see there's like you can request a ride and you can go to Uber Eats and you can do package delivery and you can rent a car and get a charter uh, bus. Like they they just went into this space. So it made sense for them to have a VP of design. Um, I guess reflecting on the different experiences that I've had um, for Handshake right now, one of the things that's important for us to, to look at is um, in, in terms of design maturity is how are we supporting or not supporting the various uh, parts of the, the business? Um, when we think about different areas of the app, you know, whether that's the mobile app or the, the web app, um, are there certain areas that we don't have the bandwidth for? And so like, how do we scale in those areas and, and grow the team according to the other functions? Uh, which is super important to think about is like as engineering is growing and the product side is growing and marketing is growing, um, how do we on the design side ensure that we're also growing um, at the same pace um, so that we can um, use design practices to influence across the entire business and not just like certain parts of it. Do you find that there are um, specific obstacles for ed tech and education companies when it comes to reaching design maturity um, or even, you know, specific obstacles that um, you've heard Handshake has overcome? Um, I don't have any insights on Handshake specifically, but, uh, you know, as we, 
as we think about like education companies or other startups or other companies that traditionally haven't had like a digital or tech side to things. You know, most of these companies, they're starting off um, with some sort of funding, right? They're a startup and they get some sort of funding. And so I think one of the biggest obstacles is specifically for the design function is that sometimes it's difficult to see the value of design. Like you and I see the value of design, we're in design, but, you know, for a company, for a small company that needs to find product market fit, get something out the door, most of the time that funding, that money, initial money goes towards engineering. You know, they're the ones that are building things. And so I, I think that is some of the obstacles that that I have seen or heard about from from friends and, and, and through my network is that it's especially when you don't have the resourcing in terms of, you know, the financial resourcing, it's hard to, in, to have really high or even, you know, get to some level of design maturity. It like usually starts off with like one designer who's kind of doing everything from like marketing design to research, to brand design, to product design. Um, and then once there's value that's shown there, then you start like, oh, okay, there's too much work on this person. We need two of them. Okay, we need three of them. Okay, oh, we need to do a rebrand. Maybe we should hire uh, an agency uh, that can do a rebrand for us. Like there is, uh, you know, you kind of, you start with the one usually. And then I think once the value is proven, then you, you're able to start growing that. Whereas on the engineering side, it's like straight from the beginning, like you need you know, full stack engineers, you need someone to be able to do back end and front end, and you need to be able to have all the, the people there to actually build the product. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of what I would say in terms of um, some of the obstacles you, you could see in like ad tech or just like early stage startups. Mm, okay. Um, well, let's jump into what's next um, for you and leading your team and, and Handshake in general. Um, in what ways would you say the company is growing in design maturity or even for you, you know, as, as a leader um, and thinking about, you know, you're kind of newer to the company and thinking about the future. Um, what steps are you thinking about taking to continually grow your team and design maturity? Yeah. So on, on my team specifically, I do have a few roles open uh, to get to a size where we can adequately support the other functions at the company uh, and the and our scope. Um, like our team is not at the size yet where we can, um, like I would say, fully support uh, the areas that we have. Um, and so we have these open roles, which is great. Um, and then this kind of goes back to the ratios uh, that I was talking about before. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but once we have these filled, the, the ratios will be a lot better uh, and we'll be able to use the design functions that we have in order to influence the, the business. Um, and then I would say, it, I guess, thinking about the future a little bit, um, and it, this is more on what I've seen uh, and so I wouldn't say this is necessarily for a handshake. Uh, maybe we get to a point in the future where th this, you know, we're at a size where we do need this. Um, but at previous companies that I've been at, once you have these, some of these like, uh, you know, product design research there, you start investing in like design engineers or prototypers. Um, you start investing in people who are dedicated in accessibility. Uh, because that becomes a really important and big part of your product and and your audience and who you're uh, 
creating a product for. Um, and then there's also design ops support too. You know, that uh, I've seen, I've been at companies where there's zero design ops support. And, you know, as, as a design manager, design leader, I'm kind of taking on that role as well. Um, and once you have one, you realize how, how important and critical they are and making sure that everything is uh, uh, f- going on time and functioning and, and highly functioning and how supportive they are. Adil, do you have any advice for those looking to push their team and organization further along in this in this area of design maturity? I would say definitely think about where design sits in your company structure. You know, what is the scope of the design impact that that you have? Um, think about the areas that design is not having an impact. Uh, where um, and how many different areas is the design team supporting? Um, and also, it's very important um, to look at other functions and, and other areas because if you, you know, based on your company, most companies that I've been at, um, you have uh, product design and engineering um, working together to build products and, and, and ship features. And so when on the design side, if you notice that, you know, there's an increase in headcount for product managers and you're going to double your engineering team, um, you have to realize that in six months, nine months, a year, you, you as the design, you know, the design team will not be able to support that. And what and if you and if you don't grow and don't have the resources, that's totally understandable. There's a company that I was at where we didn't, and so we went from an embedded model to an agency model, and it wasn't that great, but we made it work. Um, and the other thing is, um, in order to push, you know, for design is like sh- it, there's a especially when you have a smaller design team is um, educating the rest of the company on what design is and what it isn't. Uh, usually, you know, you have the first designer come in and they just make everything look really nice. They, uh, they put a visual design system on top of what is there and things start looking better. And that's sure that's a certain value. Um, and then there's other, once you start digging into other parts of the experience, the actual user experience, um, and how a user goes through certain flows and certain experiences, um, you can show the value that design creates in that sense. Um, and then I think the biggest thing to remember is that what we're doing as designers, as product designers, as researchers is we are creating, we want to create business impact through design. We want to use design to understand our users, to, uh, meet them where they are, to fulfill, uh, their unmet needs, to fix their pain points. That's what we're using design for. We're using design to help the business through its users. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of what I would say in terms of how to um, further along uh, design maturity at your company. Thank you, Adil. You've given us a lot of um, food for thought and a lot of things to think through. If there are people out there that want to connect with you and follow your work, what's the best way to do that? I would say LinkedIn. Um, go ahead and uh, yeah, feel free to send me a message. I try my best to respond to all messages. Um, yeah, and I share um, usually any any time that I'm uh, you know written an article or, or uh, sharing a podcast, I'll, I'll uh, share it on LinkedIn. Perfect. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for, for chatting with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Thanks for listening. UX of EdTech helps people design better ways to support learning. In addition to this podcast, we offer an incredible blog publication that amplifies voices around topics in design and education technology. For example, some past titles read, How to Conduct Playful UX Research with Kids, Enterprise versus Consumer UX and EdTech, How to Introduce UX to High Schoolers, and Designing for Neurodiverse Students. We also have a community of practice that offers learning experiences and networking opportunities. A couple of recent events were about designing for accessibility and a panel of former educators now in product roles. Our LinkedIn page posts regular roundups of UX job opportunities in the edtech and education space. If any of these interest you, please check the show notes for ways to connect and get involved. This episode's theme music is by the band Sleep Still. I'm your host, Alicia Kwan, and I look forward to learning with you next time.